Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. All right. Today's podcast is be prepared and not scared with Robin Warner. And she's an expert on how we can empower ourselves as women and our kids so that we don't live in fear and we can have that empowered education and there's some myths to, to debunk on this episode. Absolutely, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. And thanks for doing it. So I wanted to introduce you real quick. Robin is a mama for, and is passionate about empowering women. She calls herself a serial entrepreneur and offers safety tips and self-defense courses for women and girls. She also co-hosts the brave talk show which you guys had me on as a guest. Yes. So thank you for that. Amazing. When you came on. Well, it was fun. You guys have a fun dynamic. We do. It's really great. Yeah. Okay. So I've been to one of your events where you were empowering women and children. Yes. And I heard your story and hearing it from you, like fully not on Instagram, but like, uh-huh. I want you to share that because okay. it was kind of mind blowing for me and for my daughter. Right. So can yeah, you share I that? I would love to share that. Yeah. So like Ashlyn said, my name is Robin Warner. Um, I'm a native here to Utah and I am just like any other woman. We like to stay healthy and we exercise outside. And I kind of fell into this passion of self-defense in a really unconventional way. And I'm going to share my story on how this, this pretty traumatic and terrifying experience I had catapulted me into what I do now and why I'm so passionate about it. So I was born and raised here in Utah from a very safe home. My mom was actually a little bit paranoid about safety. Like we were always the family who locked our doors. We always were like, my mom always said, you know, like, call me when you get there, buddy system. So safety, like being safe, like was always kind of on my mind. I had just moved down to Cedar city, Utah. I was dancing for the college university team. I was really involved in school. I wanted to be a dental hygienist and our, my dance coach for the college had certain miles we were supposed to run every week just to help us stay in shape. And I had actually never ran by myself. Like I've, I've run a lot, like growing up, just being, you know, an athlete in dance, but I'd never done it by myself because my mom always thought that that wasn't a super safe practice. So I had just moved to college and I asked my roommate if she'd come running with me. It was a warm February day. And actually I had been running inside at gold's gym at the time. And this was the first day that it was warm. It was like 80 degrees. There were so many people outside everyone. I felt like everyone in Cedar city was like, let's be outside today. I asked my roommate if she'd come running with me after class. She said, yeah, let's meet home at noon. And she came home, something had come up and she's like, Hey, I can't come running with you. I got called in to work or something. She, she couldn't do it. And I was like, immediately I was like, Oh, I probably shouldn't go. But then I was like, you know what? Oh my gosh. I am 18. I just left my mom's nest. I'm on my own. Like I was having this empowerment that I'm like, I'm totally fine to go running by myself. Like I kind of felt like I was parented by fear just a little bit. Mm. And I was like, no, like I'm going to be fine. It's Cedar city, Utah. There's people outside. I'm in the middle of the day, middle of the day. Yeah. This was at noon. So I got ready that day and, and I set out to go run what it's called the Canyon trail. And if you're from, if you're 
familiar with Utah, like a lot of people know the Provo River Trail or the Jordan River Trail, Jordan River Trail. It's a trail that starts in the city and eventually comes up into the Canyon and it's perpendicular with like the main highway. So there are tons of cars passing, um, very popular trail. And then right in the middle, there's a river, but it's a paved public trail. Um, so again, I was in Cedar city, so it wasn't either of those, but it was the same concept. It was a trail that was paved. It started going up to the Canyon and I had been on this trail numerous times. So this wasn't like a place I'd never been. I was unfamiliar. Me and my roommates would go all the time. So I headed out and walked to the trail that day. It took probably like 15 minutes to get to the trail from my house. I got there. I felt good. There was tons of people there. I was like actually being really aware. Like I noticed who was on the trail, who was around me. And I started running and I started running for a couple of minutes. And I realized I had brought my cell phone, which is totally unusual. I always have it. Like back then that's how I listened to music mm-hmm. instead of like an iPod. And I was like, dang it. Like maybe I should go back and get it, but no, I'm just going to hurry and finish these three or four miles. So I kept running and I had the feeling again, like go home and get your cell phone. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm already a mile in go home and get your cell phone. It happened like three, four, five, six times. And I kept ignoring it. Like I was like, no, I'm just going to hurry and finish these. And this feeling and whatever you like to call it, intuition, the spirit, whatever you believe in, we all, we all have it. It stopped me in my tracks. And it said, turn around and get your cell phone right now. It literally, I stopped running and I was like, Whoa, I think I need to get my cell phone. I turned around and started walking home and I still didn't like even process that maybe it was coming from something higher than myself. And I was just like, Oh, I think I need to get my cell phone because this kid that I'm dating is probably trying to text me. And as an 18 year old girl, like that's important. You, you text back right away or, you know, like it's over. So I get back to my house, see my cell phone on my bed. The kid that I was dating had texted me and he was like, Hey, what are we doing tonight? What's our plans? And I was like, Oh my gosh, if I would have missed this, like (laughs) this would have been so bad. And I text him back and I'm like, I'm just running on the trail. And he actually texted me. He said, don't go running by yourself. He actually said that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm fine. It's the middle of the day. Like going to be totally fine. So it's interesting that I even went back because at this mm-hmm. point I'd already like walked a half mile, ran a mile and a half, walked back. And I could have just been like, I did it today. Yeah. But I was like, I was so obedient that I was like, I need to hit those four miles. So I went back to the trail, grabbed my phone, walked all the way back. It's probably one in the afternoon now. And when I got back to the trail, I didn't feel the same as the first time. Like I immediately felt like weird about things, like kind of scared, kind of like panicky. And I was like, why? Like there's still people on this trail. What's going on? And I just, I couldn't figure out why, but I kept having this really specific feeling. And it sounds bizarre when I tell it, but I kept having the thought, what would you do if wild horses ran down and trampled you? And it's so random. But the week before I was with my roommates, a pack of wild horses had run down and it like scared us. And so I was like, well, I shouldn't be here alone. Like if a ho- like horses would trample me. And then in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, Robin, like you're just ridiculous. You fight between logic yeah. and intuition. And like intuition is the one and only thing that will tell you something's immediately wrong without needing any reasoning. And then your logic will talk you out of it. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. So 100%. I was like inner battle. So I, I started running and I came around the corner and, and they're like, I'm starting to get up into the Canyon. So there's more like trees and brush and, and you can't totally always see like what's around the corner. And this thing was coming really fast at me. And I thought it was a horse. So I jumped in the bushes and the thing shows itself. And it's just a kid on a longboard. And he sees me laying in the bushes mm. and he stops. Cause he thinks I'm like dead or something. He's like, Hey, are you okay? And I'm like in the woods. I'm like, Oh yeah. So, so I don't, wow. And I like stand up and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I was so embarrassed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Robin, pull it together. Like I am a psycho. He's, we exchanged names. He's like, I'm Casey. I'm Robin. He's like, are you sure you're good? I'm like, yeah, I just like to lay in the brush. Anyways, 
we were kind of by a park because there's different parks every few miles. And I, I like was so embarrassed that I like watched him get in his car and mm-hmm. drive away. And then I was just like, oh my gosh, like Robin, why are you like, you're just always so scared. Like you don't have to be scared. Like you're brave. I was like trying to hype myself up to keep running. And so I kept running. And again, there were still people on the trail, but I did notice like people were starting to get more sparingly as I got further up the trail. I ran for probably another mile or two and I came around the corner and there was this man walking down the trail and instantly I was like, something's off because it's 80 degrees. It's hot. And he's wearing a beanie, a big jacket, a backpack, cargo pants, cargo boots. Like he's not wearing like athletic wear, like you would normally on a trail. And I was like, what is, and he's alone. And I'm like, what is he doing? You know? Um, and as we got closer and closer, I started kind of feeling uneasy and I'm going up the trail. He's going down the trail and we pass one another. And I remember I looked over at him and I looked into his eyes and immediately, like I knew what was going to happen immediately. Like they say you can see a man's soul through his eyes. I knew, like, I knew this was a dangerous person. So we passed really quick. Obviously these are happening really fast. I'm going up. He's going down. After I pass him, I turn back to see what he's doing. And he had flipped around. Mm. He's walking. I'm running. So I'm, I'm a little further ahead. I rip out my ear pods. I guess they weren't ear pods back then. They were like the old school <laughs> ones. And I am like, Oh crap. He's following me again. All happening so fast. I look back again. He's starting to jog. I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's following me. And I'm starting to like panic. But also I still have that logic. Who's like, are you kidding me? There are people on this trail. It is one in the afternoon. There is the highway. You can see like, th- there's no way possible. He's going to do anything to you right here. And intuition's like, no, he absolutely is like right now you need to call 911. And so I, I come around the corner and I knew that the end of the trail was right here. Like the, I, I always knew that there was an end of a trail it just kind of stops. And so I flip around there's nowhere I can go to my right is like 15 foot drop off into the I don't know, 20 or 30 foot drop off into the river. And to my left, there's woods. Like we're kind of in the Canyon now. And I was like, Oh, Oh crap. What do I do? And he's just standing probably 20 feet down the trail with one hand on each side of it, his hands in his pockets. And he's just laughing. He's looking at me laughing. And I'm like, trying not to make eye contact. And I'm like, what it's all happening so fast to him. Like, what is, what is happening? Like, is he going to do something to me? Or am I just being so yeah. paranoid, you know? So I have a strong impression call 911. And I remember doubting it. I was like, I'm not going to call 911. Like you don't call 911 unless you're like dead. Like my mm-hmm. mom, like you just don't call 911. And my intuition was like, you need to dial it right now. So I did, I pulled out my phone, I dialed 911 and I pressed send. And I figured I'm just going to run as fast as I can down the trail. And I'm just going to pass him. And I'm just going to freaked myself out. It's not going to be a big deal. I'm just going to right past him. And worst case scenario, 911 is going to be on the phone. Okay. So I get ready and I start running as fast as I can. And as I'm coming down towards him, right when I pass him, it's almost like he let me believe for a split second that like, I was in the clear. He just grabbed me by the throat and closed by me to the floor. Oops, sorry. And I remember my phone flew out. I landed just smack on my back on the pavement. And I was in complete shock. And they, we learn a lot about fight or flight, but not a lot of people talk about freeze. That's a very normal response. And most people will actually freeze. And I totally froze. I don't know how long it was. I can't remember. Maybe it was 20 seconds. Maybe it was a full minute. I don't know, but I, I froze. I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I didn't know if 911 even had picked up. Um, but I remember when I was 12 years old in a local church program, like after school program, we had a few ladies who got to come and they each had five minutes to teach us about something. So someone's like how to make a green smoothie, how to change a diaper. Cause that's so important. Green smoothies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How to do all these things. And one lady had five minutes on self-defense. And I remember looking at my friend Mackenzie and I said, this will never happen to us. And I don't even think I listened to this lady, but all of a sudden her voice came into my mm-hmm. head while I'm on this trail. And 
she said, yell your name and your location. So I immediately just started yelling as loud as I could Robin Williams, Canyon trail. I'm being raped. Robin Williams, Canyon trail. I'm being raped. I didn't know if someone could hear it on the phone, but I knew there were people on the trail. And so I was like, someone has to hear me. He picked me up and he started taking me off the trail into the woods and her voice came in again. And it said, never leave the location you're attacked. And I was like, I can't, I can't leave. So I kicked and I punched and I wiggled and I threw dirt and I spit and I did anything I could to not leave that trail because if I've called for help and now I'm taken somewhere else, there's no help coming for me. And I, I knew that was important. Um, so he didn't get me too far off the trail, only about 10 feet off the trail. And we struggled for a long time. Like what I teach women is how to fight back, which is different than trying to get away. Mm -hmm. So what I was doing was trying to get away. Like I would, you know, try to punch him or like stand up and run. And he was 230 pounds. And at the time I'm 120 tiny freshman, he was beating the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. Every time I'd stand up, he'd yank my ponytail back down to the ground, or I'd, you know, go to swing and he'd slap me across the face or punch me. Like there was, I was not getting away and I didn't know how to fight back or what that even looked like. So I, I got really injured and this, this went on for a long time and he kept trying to get his backpack. And I remember like being like, whatever is in there is not good because he would like make it a point to like hold me down and like try to fumble with one hand. And so I'd kick the bag or throw the bag or do anything I could do. Um, he sexually assaulted me. And I remember towards the end, he was laying on top of me and he started strangling me and I started losing consciousness. And I remember clear as day thinking, I hope my parents find my body. I hope my parents find my body. And I had this like overwhelming comfort, like you're going to be okay. Like you're going to see Christ, like everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't like I was like giving up, mm -hmm. but like, I felt like I really thought I was going to meet God. I said, heavenly father, please help me. I need help right now. And almost immediately I had the thought go for his groin. And as an 18 year old girl who had never seen or touched a groin, I was like, no, <laughs> but I just knew like that, that's what I had to do. And he was laying on top of me and he like shifted for a minute and I could feel that my right hand was free. And I was like, this is your one and only chance. So I went for his groin and I don't even know what I did. Like grab twist pulled. I don't know what I did. I just went for it. And he let go of my throat and I was able to sit up and it's like this surge of like empowerment. And there was definitely like angels there with me, but I sat up and I was told go for his eye. And I stuck my finger right into his eye and I gouged as hard as I could, as hard as I could. And that, what's interesting about this is like, that's actually not even what took him down. Like he was still like resisting me. And I remember like, I finally was able to get up to my feet and I was like, this is, this is my last chance. And he, he was kind of like down worried about his eye. And I turned to run and he grabbed my hand one last time. And I was like, if, if I, if I get down on the floor, like I'm done, like I don't have any energy left in me. And I swung around, not even actually realizing what I was doing. And I caught my two fingers in his cheek and it fish hooked his mouth. And that's actually what made him drop to the ground. So he dropped to the ground and I ran as fast as I could down the trail. And it's so funny. And like these, it's not funny, but in traumatic moments, like there's so many moments of like clarity that I remember. And it's actually really interesting that I would think this, but as this most horrible thing is happening, this man, you know, sexually assaults me, try, trying to kill me in my mind. I'm like, if the SUU track coach could see me now, I'd be recruited. That's oh what God. I was thinking. And I'm like, why would I think that? Cause I was running yeah. so fast. Like, you know how they say like women can lift up cars when they're yeah. like the adrenaline. I'm not, I'm probably running a four minute mile. I was hauling. I could only see green trees and I'm running down the trail. You know, I'm completely beat up bloody. And I come around the corner and there's Casey 
This is the kid on the longboard from probably an hour earlier. And I saw him get in his car and leave. And I was absolutely a judgmental 18 year old. Casey was like 300 pounds covered in tattoos. And I was like, there's two of them. Mm. Like, why, why would he be back? He left. He's on this trail and he's telling me to stop. He knows my name. He's like, Robin. Oh my gosh. Stop, stop, stop. And I was like, shit, there's two of them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to have to do this again. And I said, I don't trust you. And I'm trying to back up. And at this time, my attacker is still running Mm -hmm. after me. And I said, I don't trust you. If you're here to help me throw me your cell phone. So he tossed me his cell phone and like backed up off the trail, which was so kind of him. I called 911 again and they had heard everything. It was all recorded on my phone, but the trail is long. And so they were, they had people on foot running up the trail. They had patrol cars, but there's people on the trail. So they're, they can't go fast. Um, and they said, meet us at the bridge. We'll meet you there. And I was past the bridge and I was like, I'll meet you on the highway. So I like crawled down through the river onto the highway. And right when I got there, a whole fleet of police, um, trucks came, I got in with them and they just took me actually, no, I got in the ambulance and they just took me straight to the hospital. I didn't, I didn't ever know like what happened until later. And what happened was Casey, he had gone all the way down into town, sat down for lunch at the pizza factory, was eating lunch with his fiance. And he just had this really strong impression that he needed to go for one more run Mm. on his longboard. And his fiance was like, are you kidding me? Like, no, you're not going to get up and leave. And he said, she even threatened, like, like, I'll break off this engagement if you leave. And he got up and left and Mm. came back up and we got to sit down with him later and thank him for coming. And if he wouldn't have come, he, he actually followed my attacker. He ended up seeing my Mm -hmm. attacker and started chasing him up into the mountains. And he was able to help the police get him into custody. If he would have never came back, we would have, he would have gotten away. Like we would have never been able to find him because he was like hiding in these different trees. So Casey was really instrumental in helping get this man in prison. And I got to meet with him later. And I was like, you know, thank you so much for, you know, listening to the spirit. That's what I referred to at the time. And he said, you know, I'm atheist. I don't, I don't believe Mm -hmm. in God. I don't believe in anything, but I need to reevaluate my beliefs because something told me to go back. And he's like, I would have never gone back just to ride my longboard in the middle of lunch, you know? So it was really cool. And so, um, my attacker, they got him down. It took like seven men at gunpoint. Um, it ends up, it turns out that he had previous, um, sexual offenses. He had just been out of prison and had come down from like the Utah County area. Um, he gave a full confession that he was going to keep me as a sex slave for nine months. And then he was going to kill me. And he gave a complete description on where he was going to bury my body. And just like plate, like he just plain as day, just told it all out. It was all premeditated. And in his bag, he had masks and he had tied shoelaces together, like a big long rope and said how that was going to be the noose he hung me with. It was very graphic and very detailed. And he had no problem um, telling the judge like straight to his face, all the sexual acts that he was going to perform. Um, so he got sentenced 15 years to life. Um, he has been in there for 12 years now. And I just caught wind that they extended his sentence another, another seven years because he had bad behavior. So he will be there another like nine years Mm. for sure. And then we'll see, you know, what, what happens. I hope, I hope that they, they're able to keep him in there for a really long time, but it's really, it's really interesting. And I've always shared this story, like from the, from almost not even a year after my attack, I started sharing this like Mm -hmm. in small women's groups, then it's expanded. But the people that have been reconnected to me from sharing this on social media is insane. Like 
I've had my sane nurse reach out to me. The lady who was the one person with me when I was all by myself in the hospital, having to examine every little crack of me, you know, she reached out to me. I had a lady reach out to me that she was on the trail that day and she saw me and she saw my attacker and she was listening to earphones and was only like a half mile away and got back down to work at SUU and then heard the news. And she would have heard me screaming had she not been listening to her earphones. I had another lady reach out saying she had a feeling to go, um, running on, or she went running on the trail. And as she was coming up to the trail, she had a feeling to go home and not come back. So she went home and then she's like, no, I want to go running. And by the time she came back, there was like already caution tape on the trail. And she would have been there with her little two-year-old at the same time. Uh, and then the craziest thing that I had, um, was just last week, I got a message from my attacker's sister, which was like really kind of triggering for me. And I'm still trying to work through that just a random DM. And she just said, you don't know me. I saw like your video on Instagram and I don't ever usually watch things that are that long. And she's like, I immediately knew who you were talking about. And I knew every detail. And she said, I'm your age. And I remember I got the call that my brother was in prison for what he did to you. And she just said, I want to, I want to apologize on his behalf. And I actually ended up like reaching out to her and we've talked through a lot of things and it's like been healing in a really strange way. Um, so it's just, it's, it's just insane. Like the people that have come in and out of my life because of this. But after that, I just decided immediately, like literally my parents took me home from the hospital and I, and they're like, you're quitting school. You're quitting dance. Like you're coming home. And I actually only ended up staying at home for two weeks. And then I was like, I got to go back. Like I need to finish. Like, I love the dance team and all these things. So I went back and things looked different for me. Like the the Cedar city police were, they treated me like their daughter. Like they took me under their wing and they would come check my house or my backyard. If I was scared, my roommates let me sleep with them. And I ended up finishing school there. Um, but almost immediately, I just wanted to know more about self-defense and like what I did wrong and what I could have been more prepared with. And I just never wanted this to happen to my sisters or my friends. And so I wanted to share with them what we can do. And so I started training in different self-defense modalities and just almost immediately just started teaching it. And since then it's been, it's been 13 years since my attack, but my attacker's only been in 12 years because it took a year for mm -hmm. trial and all those things. Um, so I've been teaching ever since, and I've done a lot of, it's kind of had like life cycles. Like mm -hmm. I taught that like an actual self-defense class where like you would go down to like the YMCA and you do it like for six weeks. Yeah. I taught that for probably eight to nine years at my dance studio. And then I transitioned it into more of like a lecture format and just traveled around and mm -hmm. spoken to thousands of women. And then it's since evolved, which is interesting because I, I turned it into an online self-defense course, which at the time there, had, there was never one. Cause you feel like it's something you have to do in person, mm -hmm. but I was just, I had four kids and I was just, it was too hard for me to yeah. do all these things. And so I turned everything into online course and then COVID happened and the world shut down. And it was like divine inspiration. Cause then I had this, that I could still teach and share without needing to be there. So right now, everything, my course is all online and, um, it's, I've honestly been able to teach tens of thousands of women. And then I still public speak with large and small groups. And it's like my biggest passion. Like I feel so blessed and that, that sounds yeah. so weird. Like everyone's like, if you could go back, would you do it again? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it changed who I was. It changed the trajectory of my life. And like, mm -hmm. I have been able to save other women. Like mm -hmm. I've had people come to me and say, I took your course a few years ago blah, 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 and you actually saved my life. And that's, that's cool. so that's purpose. That's purpose. Yeah. And so I'm really grateful that I, um, that I get to do what I do. And I just feel blessed every day that 
I get to meet these amazing women and then I can help empower and um, protect women. And I had, I've actually never shared this, but I feel like inclined to do so. I, do you know what Reiki is? Yes. So I love Reiki. It's just like a modality of like um, energy work. And um, like some people can see angels or different things, but I had a really cool experience just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the lady who did this session on me said that thousands of people came into the room and they were putting a crown around me. And she said it was all of the ancestors of these women that I've saved and that we're, they were all coming to thank me. And it was like a really intense, powerful moment. Yeah. And she said that like, there was like, there was just a line of these, of these ancestors coming up. And first of all, my heart is in my chest, like half of your story. It just, it's emotional to listen to. Yeah. And obviously you're far from that emotional place and have right. done a lot of healing, which I can understand. Yeah. You can tell your story with a smile right. and it's like, wait, I'm so confused. That is intense. Yeah. Um, but that shows the work that you've done yeah. to be able to help other women. Um, the intuition part, I just want to speak to for a minute because my audience, that is such a, a big part of, I don't trust people. Mm -hmm. I don't trust my partner right? because we feel so broken mm -hmm. that we can't trust ourselves, Right. And when we hear that intuition come up, sometimes it's giving us answers. We don't want to hear exactly So we push it down. Right. I don't, I don't want to go home. I want to run. Right. I'm just going to finish this really fast. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes if we listen, we never know what we were saved from. Yeah. Nine out of 10 times. You'll never know. So it's confusing to be like, do I trust this part mm -hmm. of me that's giving me this cue or do I listen to my brain? Right. That's like super logical. Right. And this doesn't even make sense. Right. So I just, I love that you're recognizing that. I know we talked a little before off the record. Mm -hmm. It's the same. It's the, it's the same. And it's, you kind of, I teach people like your intuition is like a relationship with a person. Like the more you trust it, the more you're going to trust it when logic is talking you out of it. And I just feel like you have to fully like surrender to mm. yourself. Like logic will always be there to confront your intuition. Like in, in, betrayal in mm -hmm. all these different things. Like it's hard, mm -hmm. but you just have to remember, like, you know, you trust you, even if it does not make sense. Yes. And one thing is for women who come in betrayed, I had a new girl come in today and just like, it's, you know, it's broken. My intuition's broken because right. I didn't know. But when you look back, it was not broken. Mm -hmm. You knew you heard, you, you felt did. your body was sending you signals. It's just that we sometimes get in our own way. Uh-huh. hundred percent. And so it's learning to, to accept that I knew I have to grieve some of those things that I knew and I didn't listen. Right. And I got hurt and I got hurt. Yeah. And, um, Ashlyn knows this. And if you follow me on my other platforms, I openly share about like betrayal in my own marriage. So there's commonalities, but there was multiple times where like, I thought the same thing, like, how did I not listen to myself? And when I look back, like my body viscerally was reacting. Like I exactly you know. what you said, you know, you absolutely know, but you definitely have to, you know, grieve those parts where you're like, I, how did I miss that? And, and that's just part of the process. And then yeah. when you can start realizing those and you heal, then you just like feel even more empowered. Yes. You're like, I'm never going to not listen to myself again. Which, that I think we yeah. probably have the same feeling when you start to see a woman mm -hmm. find her power Yes, and start to use it. And it doesn't look mean. No, not at all. A woman's power is beautiful. It's, 
It's beautiful. And it's strong. And it's, it's, to me, it's a place of clarity. Mm -hmm. Like I know what I need and who I am Uh and I don't need this. So I'm going to fight back. Yeah. And even logistically (laughs) and everyone else telling you is like, no, 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 you should do this or you should blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, you're the only one who knows. And if I'm sure there's many people like me, I self-betrayed myself for a very long time on a lot of different things. Yeah. (laughs) And when you find that, when you do the work and realize what self-betrayal is and that you're like, Oh, that's me. Mm. It's the best feeling when you choose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. So now let's get into some education. Cause I listened to your story and I'm like, dang, you like, you showed up pretty freaking awesome. I did for not, for not really knowing. Yeah. So I, I did, but there's definitely things I could have done a little better so or been yes. more prepared. I will say this. I do believe, and I'm sure you do too, but it's hard to admit that you were like, when you say I would go back and do it all over again, mm-hmm. I do believe that there is a higher power. That's like, I know Robin will go and do this. Oh yeah. And that's how I feel about my stuff. Like mm-hmm. there's no way I would have shared all the crap I've shared. Right. Like old me, no way, no way. But it's like, okay, well, turns out, I guess I am that person. Right. Do you know what's interesting? So I'm in therapy. Aren't we all real? <laughs> like just get in therapy. Um, and we were talking about, I was in a meditation and we were like talking about like my attack. And I have always thought, like, I, I remember even feeling like there was a feminine presence with me, like helping me fight. And I had this huge awareness the other day and I went through this deep meditation and I looked back and it was actually me now. Mm. Like my older self was the one there helping my younger self. And it was really, really beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. The healing, the inner child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Okay. Sorry, I just I totally know. took us off. I feel like we could talk for <laughs> talk like forever eight hours. But let's we just have an eight hour podcast. Let's just, just go for five hours. Let's teach the woman how we can be more prepared. Okay. So I'm just going to, um, I feel like when we are taught self-defense for ourselves or for our kids, or let's educate our kids on body parts, sexuality, um, prevention to not get abused in any way, right. or bullies pornography. There's like a million things There's a million, as, yeah. as a parent, we have a lot of responsibility. We do. And so sometimes it's like, I don't want to teach this stuff because one, won't it breed curiosity? Well, that's what people think. Yeah. Like if I teach my kids how to stay safe from a, an adult or their friend with touch, they're going to be curious and they're going to want to touch. Yeah. That's a misconception. Um, I'm like really passionate about kids safety. We could have a whole podcast. I have four kids. So I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. And I don't know about you, Ashlyn, but I was taught nothing yeah. about self defense I didn't even, even know my own anatomical body parts. Same. Like mine was like, don't my look Jane, do and like, don't look, don't don't touch. Yeah, don't t- exactly. So I, I love and appreciate my parents and they did the best they can, but I'm definitely doing things different. So, um, you're actually, you're not going to make your kids more vulnerable or more prone to these things. You're actually going to make them less of a target and more empowered. And this is how I always relate things. Like I'm a dancer. And if I asked you to come to professional dance class and you had never danced before, you'd feel anxious, nervous, Mm -hmm. unsettled, don't want to go all these different things. That's kind of like self-defense. If you don't know much about like how to protect yourself or the potential dangers, like it does feel scary. It Mm -hmm. feels vulnerable and anxious. But like, if I asked you to come to a dance class and you were a professional dancer, you'd be empowered, excited. Same thing with self-defense. Like we have to talk about these things. Our kids are naturally going to wonder 
what do I do if someone tried to kidnap me? Mm-hmm. And they're going to feel that anxiety. Lots so of what ifs. <laughs> provide them the answer yeah. and they're now empowered, right? Yes. Like the more answers they have to the questions they're naturally going to have, then they're more like, no, 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 I know what to do. My mom's told me what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of people overthink it. Like it actually starts at a really young age, very simply. So the first thing is teach your kids their anatomical body parts. So your vagina, your penis, your breasts, teach them that those are their private spots. Nobody else touches them. Um, and then you kind of just kind of work up the ladder. So I teach a concept called tricky people. Um, and it's kind of like this phrase or idea that I've coined myself. So we were all taught stranger danger. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that's, um, not helpful and old (laughs) because, um, strangers aren't typically the ones who are going to abuse or hurt our kids. It's going to be those in our love and trusted circle, friends and family. So when that happens, well, that wasn't a stranger. They don't know. It's confusing. It's confusing. It might, they might not even know it was wrong. They might not come and tell you. Um, and so I teach tricky people and what tricky people means is it does include a quote unquote stranger, which means someone they've never seen, but a tricky person. And you can find this on my, um, Instagram, but there's like a set of rules, a set of things. And if anyone does this, they are a tricky person. Even if it's your best friend's mom, a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, you can love them. You can see them every day, but they can be a tricky person if they do these things. And it can also be that you've never seen them. They are scary. They're Mm -hmm. creepy. Like that's still a tricky person if they do these things. Um, so you start by teaching that and ever, I get so many messages. Like, when do I start teaching that? Well, Mm -hmm. I start teaching my kids when they leave the house, which would be preschool. And it's really basic. And this is how I do it. I sit down my little kids and I say, Hey, tell me what a firefighter looks like. And they're like, Oh, he's, where's this suit? And I'm like, what does he do? Tell me what to do. What does a ballerina look like? They tell me what a ballerina looks like, what they do. What is a postman? I just go through like some basic figures. Mm-hmm. Then I say, what does a tricky person look like? And they're kind of like, huh? And they'll come up with the answers and I'll say, what do they do? Mm-hmm. And then the doors open. I say, well, a tricky person, and it can actually be anyone, you know, it could be someone you love. It could be a family. It could be a relative. Let me tell you what they do. A tricky person tries to take you away from mom and dad. A tricky person asks you to keep a secret. A tricky person touches you in your vagina or your penis or your private parts. A a tricky person makes you feel icky. And there's a whole list of things. And it's as easy as that. And then you kind of start building on those things. Then as questions come and they get older, you start talking about more and more things. But I promise you, you will empower your children and make them less of a target by teaching these things. It's it's not the other way. Um, Because if things happen like this, A, they know that they can come to you because you're a safe place. You're a place that you can openly talk about this. You're not awkward or scary. They know that they should come and talk to you Mm -hmm. if uncle touches them or if a cousin does something like it's, it's not like they're like, is this bad? Like they know immediately to come find mom and you're just building this trust and this relationship with your kids. So more conversations can unfold as they grow and it's really healthy and important. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to just pop in. Yes because this was my experience. I was for the one weird reason, like I'm going to teach my kids the right names from a young age, like changing diapers, giving baths. Like we're Mm -hmm. talking about things and I'm trying like, there's stop and go touches. You don't want to be tickled. It's a stop touch, like whatever. It doesn't matter. And it can be family. It can be friends, Mm -hmm. but also you can tell me anything. Always tell an adult. Right. Um, so I tell them, I teach them. And my former husband and I were same page on this. Right. We both felt very prompted to right. do it different than we were raised. Really? I love that. And our daughters were still sexually abused. I'm so sorry. And it was by family. Yeah. And it was someone we trusted. Mm-hmm. It was someone that we did feel the intuition of something is wrong. Right. And we would push and like, this is wrong. Also, 
it's confusing, mm-hmm. but something's off. And she, um, my oldest daughter did come and tell us within a month, which is not normal. That's very soon and good. Like, yes. that's great. She came and told you, Yeah, but she was showing reactions of like, just saying things that a four-year-old wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't want to live. I hate myself. So I'm Googling like, right. why does a four-year-old hate themselves and want to die? Like, right. why is she acting so, you know, weird? I'm wondering off. what's, I don't understand. And right. I hadn't done a lot of therapy work at this time. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't clued in. Right. right. Yeah. And then one day she told me, started telling me things and it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what to do. I called my father-in-law who is a therapist. And he said, get some dolls and have her tell the story using the dolls so that she doesn't have to look at you mm-hmm. and have some other adult there as a witness. As a witness, Don't ask questions. Don't prompt her, yep. let her tell the story. Mm-hmm. And she did. And it was incredibly emotional for me mm-hmm. as a parent, seeing what someone had done to my child, right? Because kids, kids don't lie. Kids can lie. Yeah. When they're telling you details, Mm -hmm. it's not a lie. Right. And we circled our wagons. We got everyone out of our life Mm -hmm. and we, it was a lot. I mean, we're still in therapy years later in and out because things pop up. We feel triggered. Right. Um, it's hard stuff. It's really hard stuff. So when people see my story and they're like, you're, you're sharing. I taught rad kids. Yes. You taught rad kids. Yep. And you know, we're trying to be preventive and do all these things. And yet it still things happen. Yeah. Even if you yeah. do teach your kids about all these things, like Ashlyn did, it still happened, but all, like maybe your daughter would have never came and told you yeah, exactly. Maybe it would have taken years later. Maybe she would have gone through a really hard depression and phase before it ever came out. Like it didn't necessarily keep it from happening. But I can guarantee you, it would have been very different yeah. if you didn't. And it happened that. once instead of instead of over and over and over, and over years. And over. So right. messages I get, I don't share her story as much anymore mm-hmm. because the messages on DMs that I would get were so heavy Ugh. that I'm like, actually, I don't think I'm in a place where I can right. take on people's Other, mm-hmm. stuff. But it was messages from adult women who said, "I've never told anyone, mm-hmm. and but here I'm going to tell you. I right. feel like I can." Or I told my parents and they didn't listen and nobody believed me. No I get that all the time anything. too, actually. So hundreds of DMS is, and this would be my advice to teach your kids. Well, first of all, I would like be the parent who believes your yeah. kid and like trust them. But this is what I teach women and girls and young girls and old girls. I say, tell someone until someone blows the whistle. Yes. Like if it's not your mom, that's like heartbreaking but go tell someone else, tell a teacher, tell a teacher, tell the principal, tell, you know, whoever you need to tell until someone does something about it. Cause I've had hundreds and hundreds of women come to me. Same thing later. They're 30, 40s now. And they say, I actually did tell and no one did anything. And that's that's even more hard, you know, like tell someone until someone believes you. So there's so much more that you teach within your course. Mm -hmm. Um, for instance, I was bringing home a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds the other night. And I said to one of the boys, tell me your address, like text it to me so I can click it into my Mm -hmm. maps. And he said, I don't know my address. And I was like, what? (laughs) And okay. The kids in the car were like, you need to learn your Your address. address. (laughs) Like if you ever like have an emergency or so the crazy thing is because I taught rad kids, I was like, it's all the things, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, I'm going to teach my kids my phone number, yep. my name, yep, because I'm not mom, right? I actually have, I have a name, name. <laughs> yep. And and where do we live? Yes. So the other day we're driving, and I say, 
remember that song I taught you guys? Cause I do it in song, right? I do that same thing. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa. And I start singing it and I sing it wrong. And they're like, mom, that was not our old address. It's this. And uh-uh. I'm like, you remember they that? Remember? Of course they remember that. I Who can forget? It. My mom is Robin, <laughs> R-O-B-Y-N. <laughs> she lives. At- yeah, yes. I remember those things. Yeah. And those things are important. They're really like important. you screaming my name mm-hmm. and my, where I'm at. Yep. These are the things, if they have to call 911, right. they need to know where they're at. Yeah. In my course, I have 18 videos on all different things, but this ties into a lot of different things, but even like having babysitters over at your house, mm. like they have to know your name. Cause they might just mm. know Mrs. Warner, sister Warner. They have to know your address. Yeah. They live six houses down, but if your kid's choking, they're going to, they don't know yeah. your address. So there, like, there's so many things we could cover, but like, yes, teach your kids their address, your name, like it's time parents. We need yes. to empower our kids. Like we can't just skip over all this yes. stuff. And because it is overwhelming, the amount of things we need to teach, right. Having a resource like yours yeah. does make it more digestible. Like, Oh, like I can spend this much time teaching this topic just, and it's an ongoing yeah. discussion. Yes. It should never be a one-time self-defense yes. discussion. And I, I think the same thing about sex. Like I never want my kids to have that one time. Like my mom and dad gave me the birds and the bees. Like it should be so normal. You talk about all the time, same with self-defense. Like you're not going to have one tricky person conversation. Then as they get older, you're doing this. And then as they start dating, you're doing this. And then Mm -hmm. as they like there, it needs to be ongoing and you will feel overwhelmed at first, especially if you're like me who never was taught about this. Like I didn't know any of this thing. So what I teach women is educate yourself. Like there are a lot of resources. Take my course yourself. Mm-hmm. And then whatever you feel comfortable with, try to teach. Or if you still don't feel comfortable with that, have your kid watch the video with you. And all yeah. you have to say is, do you have any questions? Yeah. And then, you know, let me teach it to them. And then you can ask and you just kind of have to, the more you talk about it, the more you feel comfortable about it, but mm-hmm. it's really important. Okay. Do you, one thing that stood out to me and my daughter when you get, did your, uh, in-person event was uh-huh. when you were, when he, your attacker showed or the, you should grab his groin, do Uh something. Right. And I remember you saying, I had never seen Mm -hmm. this and I'm taught don't look right. right? And don't touch. touch. Yeah. But you were like, girls, what did you say? Yeah. (laughs) I, I'm not exactly sure exactly what I said, but I probably said something like, if your life depends on it, you rip the eye out, you grab the groin. You don't have to say, sorry. You like, you absolutely do whatever it takes any means to protect yourself. Yeah. Is that what I said? Yes. And it was like, it was just cute because I had my 11 year old there and she was like, what? Like, yeah. Like I gave gave him permission (laughs) and I wish someone would have given me permission. Like when I was 11. And so I remember I looked at all those girls and I said, I give you permission to rip an eye out. I give you a permission to rip his balls off. Like you will do whatever it takes to protect yourself. And like, if you just needed permission, you can just say, Robin told me I could Yeah, like you, you can. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes like kids do need that, like permission sometimes, yes. especially yeah. if We're they're taught. <laughs> yeah. Especially if they're taught like different things, culturally, like whatever, how open or closed you are about like their sexual mm-hmm. body parts. Like you need to sit your kids down and let them know they can do that. Also what I, a big thing that I, a huge thing here in Utah, I don't, our community is probably everywhere, but, um, I can't tell you how many hundreds of teenagers have DM'd me, have come to me in person and told me, I can't tell my mom that I was raped Mm. because I was at a party with alcohol and I'm so Mm. scared she's going to be mad. Or I can't tell my parents that I was raped because I kissed the boy first. Mm. And like, this is what I'm teaching like parents too, is like, 
you have to let your kids know that like, even if they were doing something you're disappointed with, like you'll still be there for them. Like hundreds of girls who are like, my mom has no idea I was raped because I'm worried. I'm more worried about getting in trouble trouble. that I took off my shirt or that I kissed him first or that she Mm -hmm. even knew I was at a party or she even knew I snuck out. And so even just having that conversation, like with your teenager saying like, Hey, like, of course, I don't want you to be going to these parties with all these different things, but I want to let you know, like, again, it's the permission. If you ever found yourself in a situation where, um, these things were happening and and you were worried because you, you, you probably did drink and you shouldn't have, or you kissed him first, or like you were flirting. Like, I want you to know, I still love you and please still come tell me for sure. I love all that. Yeah. I'm also a big believer in sharing your own, uh, experiences yes. as a parent, because I have those experiences yeah. where I was afraid to tell, and then I'm suffering right. alone and to tell the, I mean, it's kids. It humanizes us as parents. Right. For one, we're not on a pedestal right? and that we struggled too. Yeah. My kids love hearing how I was in elementary, middle school yeah. and high school. Like, Oh, that's normal. That's then, normal. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell me for women, how can we protect ourselves? I know I go hiking a lot uh-huh. and I've you taken do. your tips. Yeah. I have my eye, my eye gouger. It's on a I've got my scrunchie. Yes, like see. you told me to do. Yes. My um, pepper spray. I have pepper like spray and the eye gouger on my crunchy and yep. I keep it on my uh, blinker. Yes. And so, so when I just get out, accessible. I can just grab it and put it on my yeah. wrist. Yeah. So there's so many things like even like very specific things that I teach women, but like overall, I would say the first thing is just become aware that like you are not the exception to the rule. Mm. Like I have so many women who are like, well, I've run all the time. I run marathons. I run at two, like 5am when it's dark. And I'm like, and you're still not the exception to the rule. So just understand that like these things are happening in your community, in your town. Like I have so many women. It's interesting. Like, well, we're so safe. Like we have the spirit or I live here or this or that. I'm like, oh, actually you're making yourself more of a target because you're absolutely oblivious. Yes. So the very first thing was like, get real with yourself and know that like, you're not the exception to the rule. Then number two is educate yourself. The more you educate yourself, knowledge is powered, the more empowered you are feel. So the fear starts coming away. Um, number three, take extra precautions when you're doing things that make you more vulnerable. So in my course, I talk about the, um, four stages of awareness and it's kind of like a, a stick shift. So we're in neutral. And if you're going to do something that's going to make you more vulnerable, like hiking alone, mm-hmm you know what? You need to upshift in your awareness just for then you need to come prepared. You need to bring pepper spray. You need to tell people where you're going when you're coming home. You need to be, you know, kind of paying, paying attention when you're out and about. And then when you're back home safe, you shift back to neutral. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, when I talk about this or I'm always so anxious and I'm like, that's just cause you, you can't downshift. Like mm. it needs to be a give or take, you know, when you're home alone and you're taking out the trash at 5am when it's, um, dark outside, like that's not a huge upshift, but just a little, like mm-hmm. be aware. Are we good? We're back safe in the house. Come back down. So like, it's all about shifting your awareness. Like mm-hmm. you are more vulnerable when you're walking and running alone, but I'm not saying never do it again. We yeah. need to live our life. We need to be empowered. We can't live in fear, but just no. like there are more steps I have to do if I'm going to choose to do these things. So mm-hmm. you're doing it. You're letting people know where you are when you're coming home, you're sending, you know, your location to someone same with dating. Um, when you're dating, there's, there, you are more vulnerable. So you have, you know, there's very specific things to do. And I actually teach this in all my courses. Like I have a whole module on dating. I have a whole module on running and hiking. I have a whole module on driving in your car, like so many things, but overall, just like be aware, mm-hmm. be aware, be okay to be a little more heightened then. And then 
keep yourself safe. And then remember to come back to a neutral, safe place. But my big thing and my tagline is be prepared, not scared. Like you, I don't want you living in fear. And I'm not saying never run again alone or never do any of these things like do them, but just be a little smarter and a little more aware. Yeah. Let's live an intentional life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of love that my, you know, I have, you gave me a purple eye gouger Mm -hmm. and it's what five inches long. Yeah, Like it's pretty intense. intense. Yeah. And so when I'm hiking and I pass men, guess what they're noticing first? They look at the Uh purple thing. They're probably not going to do anything, No, but they know I'm not, I'm very aware of what I'm doing. Right. I don't have two earbuds. Yep. That's one of my tips is one, like one earpod because you got to be able to listen who's following if some, a bush is wrestling, you know, and it's interesting. I have a lot of people messaging me because I'm, I am always teaching about like carrying pepper spray and it's actually shocking how much I get asked this, but they say, don't you feel like that would like, like, um, if they saw that you had pepper spray, like they could use it against you or they would like, know like they would know your weapon and they could like Mm. one up you. I say, no, I'm not worried that they can see that at all. It sends a message immediately that (laughs) I am aware that I could potentially be vulnerable. So like a, I'm aware enough to to carry this. It means that much to me because I'm trying to keep myself safe. Number two, um, it's likely that I know more than just pepper spray. If I'm carrying pepper spray, I've got other things in my arsenal to fight back. If that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And number three, don't freaking mess with me. <laughs> like that sends, that sends way more of a message than like, Oh, that girl has pepper spray, but I'm going to take that away from her. Yeah. Like, well, and we worry about what people think. Right. But like dating, they see that hanging on my, uh-huh. uh, I guess they're like, Oh yeah. They're not like, Oh, I'm going to use that against her. They're probably no. like, she's dude. She knows what she's doing. If she's going to carry that around, like she's educated. Yes. You know and what I mean? The same goes for kids. I remember people being like, you shouldn't be telling people this, you know, that your kids know about these things. And I'm like, what? actually it's telling other people don't mess with my kids. My exactly. kids tell me everything. Exactly. And if they're not telling me, they're telling their therapist uh-huh. or their teacher. Yeah. I'm like, actually it sends a message like don't mess here. Like I don't get that mentality. Yeah. And we still have friends and family that yeah. are like, Ooh, don't teach that to oh. our kids. And I'm like, sorry, my own, we are. my own. Um, I love my mom. She gets really uncomfortable with this, even saying penis or vagina. Mm. Like she doesn't like that. And I think it could be like a generational thing or whatnot, yeah. but I'm like, you're going to make people uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, do it anyways. Yeah. If like, it means we're protecting, it means we're protecting our kids. I'm sorry that penis made you uncomfortable. That's really important for my kids to know what that yeah. is. Yeah. And a big thing with my kids are, um, you know, are you telling the truth or are you keeping me safe? Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that we do as parents mm-hmm. where we're like, I want to protect my kid and I want to keep them safe. So I'm going to do this, this over here. Right it's important for them to understand the difference. I am doing this for your good, right? I'm teaching you things because I love you and protect yeah. you. my daughter that's 11. The other day said, um, she was with her, her friend who's a girl uh-huh. and you know, you never know these days what's going you on. And so know, I'm yeah. very cautious either way. Kids know no phones downstairs, mm-hmm. no phones up, like check them at the door. Right. Um, we have some rules in our house, love but it. they're welcome. Right. Right. And I have cameras. And so I, I love if it. I'm gone, I'm checking in on the mm-hmm. cameras. If I'm upstairs and they're down, I'm checking on the right. cameras. So I just check in. Yeah. Hey, I see that this is, you know, you guys are sitting close. What's going on? And she's like, mom, we're not doing it. We're looking at this. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just protecting you. Right. And that night she said, mom, <sighs> like, I love that you care. And I see that you're protecting me and thank you for being cool about it. Oh, and I was I like, love that. 
Oh. Those moments make it all worse. <laughs> I'm like, you don't hate me. You don't okay. hate me. Good. And even if they do hate you, though, like you still, Who cares? You still gotta do it. Yeah, keep doing it. Keep doing it. You're keeping them safe. And there are so many like little things that we can be doing, and just how we switch, switch our verbiage and talking. Like, I teach a lot about secrets versus surprises. Yes. Like, why that's important, and um, we still go over that. Yeah. No, you. And that's it's the thing. Got, is like, I'm it's going. not a one-time thing. Like. I also teach about like how we have to actually teach our kids the difference between yelling and screaming and like practicing mm. that. And still my oldest is nine. Every time we do it, she rolls her eyes. Mom, we've done this a thousand times. Like I know how to yell correctly. And I'm like, I know you do. I love it. Can you help us with the little kids? Like, so mm. they get as comfortable with you. Like they're going to, they're not always just going to like, they might fight back and be annoyed and think you're annoying, but like you do love anyway. them. You do it anyways. Yep. Yeah. And you have to keep doing it. Yes. Yeah. So don't, don't be overwhelmed. Don't yeah. be scared. Just start with a couple little things. Yes. And for one, go follow Robin. Yeah. <laughs> I give safety tip. Well, I typically give safety <laughs> tips twice a week. I, I'm slowing a little down. Just my life's a little crazy right now, but they're just simple. Like it goes everywhere. So it's like a simple little graphic that I'll just teach you a couple of things mm-hmm. or like a 30 second video. If you go through those ar- archives, you'll learn so much. Like even just start there, just watching my little safety tips. And then Mm -hmm. when you feel called to like dive in more, I have a full on course that you can take. Yeah. Um, Also Robin's entertaining. (laughs) So I'm crazy. (laughs) It's, it's entertainment and education. Yeah, it is. I feel like my personality, I feel like sometimes it was divine that this happened to me because I'm a very positive, happy, fun person. And talking about these things are weighted Mm -hmm. and it can be sad and scary and anxious. And for whatever reason, my natural ability, I can talk about really scary, dead, serious things in like a lighter, fun way. And I'll, I'll dabble back and forth. Like I can be dead freaking serious when I'm talking about things and then I can switch and change the mood. So it is like a really positive (laughs) place to like learn these things. Cause it's not as like, I agree. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well done. Well, thank you. Well done with your gifts. (laughs) You're sweet. Um, okay. So I want to end the episode with you sharing your most recent be the Buffalo moment, which is something that you, you faced your storm, you faced your hard stuff. Yeah. Instead of running from it and shoving it down. Oh, I feel like life is full of like little Buffalo Mm -hmm. moments. Right. And I could, I could name off probably a bunch, but in my life right now, I'm facing probably what is going to be one of the most defining Buffalo moments in my life. Um, and it's been really scary and really hard. And I feel like I've been, I've been working up to this point and I'm being really brave and it's gonna, it's gonna be a pretty drastic change for me Mm -hmm. and my family. Um, and I don't have a ton of support. Like I have outside voices coming in saying I'm making a wrong decision and I'm surrendering to myself and my intuition. And even though people are not agreeing with what I should or shouldn't do, like the Buffalo moment is tuning that all out and staying true to who I am and promising myself that I can't self-betray for one second longer. Mm -hmm. And so I'm about ready to face a pretty, pretty drastic life change for me and my family and my kids. And so that that's what I'm, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. And And it's scary and hard. And it goes along with everything you just taught. Yeah. Listening to your intuition, Mm -hmm. not self-betraying. Right. And protecting even when it's hard. Yeah. Even when it's hard. And and there are still moments where I have these like little waves that hit me and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh shoot, am I making the right decision? Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks I'm not. And then I'm like, at the end of the day, Robin, there's only one person you need to listen to. And it's myself. Amen. And, and so I'm doing it and there will be 
it'll be messy and scary and emotional, but I, I just know it's right. And I'm, I'm facing the storm. Well done. That's how storms are. They're messy. They're meant to be messy. And in the mess is where we keep growing. And it's, I hate it so much. It's the worst. I know. And I also, it's interesting because of having, you know, my experience on the trail and then going through a lot of personal betrayal Mm -hmm. in my own marriage, like I know that I'm going to come out bigger and stronger. Like I've done done it before, but it's still like, are you sure? I know. Scary. I know all of this, you know, all this, but like, it's like, you forget everything. You're like, Oh wait, I'm not strong. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'm like, yes, you can. But (laughs) the greatest thing about facing the storm is like, you remember, like it will pass. It does. It's like, I know it's going to suck. Like I'm already prepared for a living hell for the next three months, four months, five months. But like, I have this hope that I'm like, but it's going to be gone eventually. And I'm going to look back and be like, so freaking look happy at, I did yeah. this and look what, look what I've taught me and my kids and look how brave I was. And, and so it's like a pretty big deal in my life, but I'm, I'm really hopeful and I'm, I'm trusting myself You're being the Buffalo I'm being the Buffalo Buffaloes are freaking big and strong and <laughs> they are I freaking love Buffaloes. <laughs> I'm going to Buffalo tattoo. Oh, look around my house. They're like, I actually everywhere. See them everywhere. I'm like, I need some Buffaloes. Once you start talking about something you're passionate about, mm-hmm. that's what you get as gifts. It's, I love that. <laughs> I have lots of Buffaloes and I, I am getting that. a Buffalo tattoo in April. I yeah. love that. I actually really love that. Yeah. I want to get a tattoo. I want to get a wave because I oh, chosen. I saw that. I love yeah. that by the way. Um, the wave, the wave kind of really pulls me into like ride the wave where it takes you. It's mm. just kind of like my life motto and like a wave. It's like, sometimes you're like crashing mm. down and then your other times you're on the high. And so I'll probably get a wave <laughs> after this big life after change, the wave, 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 just put the waves all over me. <laughs> yes. Ride the wave. Yeah. I love it. I loved this and I know our audience will too. So thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Your heart. I am so happy that I could be a part of your community. I love what you're doing, Ashlyn. And Right back at you. I hope that someone out there listens to this and feels like it was worth their time. Amen. All right. Thank Thanks you. guys. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.